Electricast. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. On this episode of Missing the Point... We'll check in on the Boston Bruins as they continue their second-round Stanley Cup playoff matchup versus the New York Islanders. After breezing past Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals, the Bruins face some adversity versus a team that was very competitive with them during the 2021 NHL regular season. This is Missing the Point, episode 64, but it's all relative. Welcome into Missing the Point. My name is Joe Malkin, joined tonight by the real BK Bob Kelly, Mike Marcangelo, and our executive producer, as always, Craig DeLisandro, who is riding some kind of high tonight. We're here to talk to you about the Boston Bruins, who are currently in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it's a very interesting format this year. But guys, let's get right into it. This Bruins team is currently tied with the Islanders uh, in their series one-to-one, losing game two in overtime the other night. The the they battled back from a 3-1 deficit. It may have been one nothing Islanders at one point, but nonetheless, the Islanders end up coming out of that game 4-3. to Guys, we, we have a lot of bright spots on this Bruins team, and they're playing really well, and where we thought they were kind of falling off towards the end of the year, Bruce Cassidy has picked this team back up, and they're clicking and firing on all cylinders. Mike, what have been your bright spots? I don't want to get I don't want to get to the dark spots yet. I want to get to the bright spots. The bright spot for this playoffs have been Tuka Rask. And for those that have been listening along the way, I, I have said that you know we can only go as far as he's going to take us, and he's never shown up in this series and in the last series. He has done what I asked him to do. He has been the reason that you have won a game. He has saved, he's single-handedly saved you games. If you remove the fact that Brandon Carlo has a propensity to score in his own goddamn net twice, then, 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 then Tuka's playing great. Now, his deflections are tough, and those are not his fault. You notice it in, I think it was the third period, but I think more so it was the second period of game two against the Islanders. He was under distress. His defense had collapsed in front of him, and he refused to let one in. So for me, that was for you, Joe. I think he's the the biggest bright spot. I will say there's never been a goalie that I've I've ever known that if there's a breakaway that there's going to be a goal (laughs) than when Tuca is in net. Now, I don't know if that's indicative of how I feel about him or if that's a real thing. I'm going to choose to believe that it's how I feel about him. 
but in this series, actually, like in, in this entire playoffs, so he's five and two. He stopped 214 out of 230 shots, 930 save percentage, 2.06 goals against average. He's doing exactly what you need him to do. And I think coming into this playoffs, that was not something that I was ever prepared to say. So he changed my mind because he's done that thing that that Tim Thomas did for us in 2011. The difference is it doesn't look so flashy because he's always in the right spot. He's just always there. He has great positioning as a goaltender. And I think for anyone out there that was a Tuka hater, I was the proud starter and flag wa- waver of the that. The leader of the anti-fan club. Yeah, I was that. But <laughs> if th- this is the playoff series and this is the playoff this is the playoff run for me that changed my mind. I think we all yeah, we all have a bad taste in our mouth from what happened last year, but you can't deny the excellence that he's shown between the goalposts this year. Bobby, kind of the same question, but let's go with the Tuca conversation. I think Mike said it perfectly because, like you said, he is the president of the anti-Tuca fan club. But, Bobby, what are your thoughts on Tuca? And to add to a level to that, do we need to see Jeremy Swayman at this point? Completely agree with Mike. Tuca has not only won you game so far this playoffs, he's kept you in games that you have no business being in. That, that game, too, against the Islanders, that could have been 5-1, to 6-1. to one by the end of that second period if Tuca doesn't stay on his head. So he's kept you in games. He's been everything you could ask. Like Mike said, the only times that he's actually letting goals is when his defense has let him down so far this playoffs. There's literally either his defense is scoring on him or <laughs> they're leaving the puck wide open in the middle of the, right in front of the net. So it's Tuca. Tuca has been unbelievable so far this playoffs. Without Tuca, I, I don't know if we get by the Capitals as easy as we did. And we definitely do not have a chance to come back in game two. I can guarantee you that. As far as my bright spot so far, man, if the perfection line isn't living up to their name in the last week and a half, two weeks of hockey, I don't know what is. Watching them play hockey is honestly unlike any line I've ever seen. We've all been watching Bruins hockey for a long time. Can you guys remember a line that had this skill, this when you see them at the top of their game and, and they make the plays that they can make, the passes and one-timers, it's just amazing. Seeing Marsha on the pasta, seeing pasta, the Bergie, like it's just unbelievable. So that's my bright spot. Listen, I know they're supposed to do it. As Mike would say, it's their job. They're supposed to do this. But like, listen, I don't care. They've been such a delight to watch. And, and I know every single game we can count on them for two points. So that's my bright stop is that perfection line. The the biggest thing for me when it comes to the perfection line in Tuca is, you know, as you guys both just said, Tuca only has a tough time when his defense lets him down. And Mike, you're, you were absolutely right the other night when the Islanders went on that break and won that game in overtime 4-3. You knew you saw it coming. And what's interesting is, is nobody got worried because it's a one-off thing that doesn't happen because this defense has been playing very well, led by Charlie McAvoy, which has been incredible. And that's my bright spot. Since you guys took the front part of the ice and and the back part of the ice, I'm going to go with the defense because Charlie McAvoy has been um, phenomenal. And he also has the highest minutes average on the team right now in this series against the Islanders. He is deserving of his ice time and he has stepped up 
since the departure. And we've seen it all year. We saw it in the first series against Washington. We've seen it in this series against the Islanders. He has really stepped up uh, since Zdeno Chara left. And and it, it, the argument can be made that Zdeno Chara held him back. And that's okay. That's okay that he did because they got to where they did. And now he's really come out firing. But you, you have McAvoy. You have Mike Riley, who has played well. Brandon Carlo has done very well. Connor Clifton, though he's minus one, he has played very well. And the defense has been really good. And what's awesome to see is that Taylor Hall has been playing well on the offensive side. And the reason the perfection line has been able to keep live up to their name is because of the play of everyone on the ice. And that's what hockey's about, right? It's about four lines. It's about three defensive pairings and a really good goalkeeper. I mean, through through five, what's it? Through seven games, the perfection line has scored twenty three points. That's Unbelievable! Ridiculous! <laughs> Unbelievable! I mean, led by Pashinuk has ten points, five goals, five assists. Bergeron four goals, three assists, and Marshan four goals and two assists. Not not to be prickly, Joe. I think defense is the Bruins' downfall right now. It, it's been it's been the weak it's been the weak point, but it's been good enough on the offensive end. Oh. Yeah, I think yeah that that's a perfect way to, to to spin it, right? Offensively, they're miles ahead of where they were years ago, uh, even last year. But defensively, they are almost a liability. I don't know if I go liability. The thing is, is they're listen. They they can make plays, and and they do make great defensive plays all the time. Where you're like, oh my god, but they're caught out of position a lot. What they lack in discipline, they make up for in speed. But in a series against the Islanders, where the Islanders have done a phenomenal job slowing them down, the discipline is what you need, right? Because right. it, you've seen it like in spurts. The, the Bruins in, 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 in game two, two shots, two goals to tie it up. So the, when, when they had the ability to formulate a play, to have a good breakout out of their defensive zone and across the neutral zone into the offensive zone, they can do it, but they need that synergy. And, you know, I don't want to preview my negative or my bad spot here, but I think it's when speed is no longer a factor. When you play a team that has a forecheck that is consistently causing problems for you like the Islanders do, you have to be disciplined on defense. And what they what the Bruins are, have done so far, and again, it's 1-1, so it's, the world's not over. But it's scary because we've been talking about uh, neutral zone turnovers for the last seven games. That's not going away, but the competition's just getting better. So they need to figure that out. Great, great. The thing is, though, is when you watch the Bruins team play, is like that that game too. So yes, the Islanders brought it to them. They brought the four check. They in that second period, they whooped the Bruins' ass up and down the ice, and you, you could see it from minute one. But when the Bruins do play their game, when they start playing the game that they can play, they are by far and away the better hockey team. So what they what needs to happen is they need to play that fast, up-paced hockey. If they get caught in that slow, grinded game with the Islanders, this is going to be a long series. I agree with you there. If they get caught in that kind of game, they're in trouble because that's not the team they are anymore. It's just not. That's where Barry Trotz is very good is because he has – five games of film on the Bruins against the Capitals 
who are a much different team than what the Islanders are, right? The Islanders can kind of flip the switch. They can play fast when they need to, but they can slow you down. And they know that the Bruins want to play that fast-paced game. And that's why the Bruins won that series against the Capitals. And we talked about it on our last hockey show, was that the Bruins can't necessarily match the physicality and the size of the Washington Capitals, but they can outpace them every day of the week. Whereas Barry Trotz Islanders team, isn't necessarily going to out-physical the Bruins because I think their players are pretty much on the same physical level, but they can outplay you. And those three issues that we wrote down and talked about was the can't not being able to handle the forecheck, uh, neutral zone turnovers and, and bad defense, bad defensive zone possessions on turnovers and trying to get on the transition. That's that those could be the three reasons why the Islanders win win this series. And in game one, Mike, when, <laughs> the neutral zone turnover and this one haunts me. Granted, it was only a few days ago, but this one haunts me when the, the Bruins went on a line change. In the, while they were in the neutral zone and they went to dump the puck and I can't remember who it was, but he completely whiffed on it. And it let, was probably Craig Smith. It, it might have probably Smith. Or, or Lausanne. Or it, Lausanne. It either, yeah, well, right. yeah, right. It was either Lausanne or Craig Smith. But either way, they just left the puck in the neutral zone on a line change. And I was like, this is where this game goes downhill. And luckily it didn't. And the Bruins blew them out 5 2 in that game one. And that's that's the kind of games that the Bruins need to be able to play. And they need to not let this series get to seven games. Because if it goes to seven games, the Islanders could take this because Barry Trotz is that good of a coach. And the Islanders are that good of a team and have handled the Bruins pretty much all season long. Also, like as a disclaimer, just because I said that Tuka Rask, like, there's never been a goalie that I've been more confident in for a breakaway that he's gonna, that, that he's going to let up a, a goal. That's true. I mean it. I feel it. I'm sorry if that upsets you. That for those of you listening at home, but that was completely on the defense. Oh, yeah. should, that should have never happened. That should have never, ever happened. And to put your goalie in that position in overtime after he saved your ass and bailed you out time and time again, that's on you. It's not on him. I think the, like, the cynic in me is like, make that stop. But in reality, you should never be put in a position to have to make that stop. Especially the way they were dominating that overtime yeah. too, because if you remember prior to that, that puck was in the brew was in the, the Islanders' end of the ice the entire overtime. I think we had six shots on net before they even had that goal. So it's like the lack of being able to capitalize on those good opportunities and just the careless turnovers when you're dominating the pace of play when you're dominating possession and you have these careless turnovers, that's what ends up costing great hockey teams. And you end up losing to teams that aren't as good as you. That's, that's what ends up happening. One final bright spot is just the, just the, the mere notion of Taylor Hall. The fact that he's on the ice, the fact that he's on the ice is a problem, right? Because every time he has the puck, you think there is a chance that he can score. And if we think that at home, God knows what the goal, what the opposing goaltender thinks, because that man, he feels like it feels like he's playing like, like, like he's on a mission. He's a plus minus. He's plus two, four points in the, in, in these playoffs, but the things that he's doing well, they don't show up. Like as Bobby would say, like they don't show up on a stat sheet, right? right? He elevates those around him because he is who he is. And he's always in a position to either score or to put someone else in a position uh, to score. So I think that's something that you have not had in Boston, honestly, since Sagan. Well, he, he also grinds away and, and eats up minutes. I mean, he's averaging the same amount of time on the ice as the first line is. I mean, the second line 
as much as we want to talk about that first line, that second line has been very good and, and led by, by Krejci and Hall. And they're playing the same amount of minutes as the first liners. So, so that, that's how, that shows how much confidence Bruce Cassidy has in his team from top to bottom, which is a good confidence to have. But what really needs to happen for this Bruins team is they need to not allow this Islanders team to figure them out. And Bruce Cassidy needs to make the adjustments needed. And I think he can. But that brings me to this question of how far is this series going to go? How how many games do we think this is going to go? We all pretty much called that first series saying five to six games. We, we nailed that. I don't see a way that I, I mean, I just think that the teams are so uh, perfectly matched up against each other that this doesn't go seven. Now, unless... Now, barring like a, a, a horrific injury to one of the star players from either team, but I think if you're a Boston Bruins fan, like Anthony Beauvillier, he is a problem for you. He is, you know, the left winger from the Islanders, nine points, four goals, five assists, and he's just always there. So don't pay attention to his plus minus being minus two, right? Don't pay attention to that because that man is a problem for you. I think you similarly have problems that, that you can cause for the Islanders, but I just think that, first of all, Bruce Cassidy is a coach. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's the right guy for, for this team. I think that the Islanders are, are, are really well coached as well. The guy from Washington that won the Stanley Cup back in, what, 2018? With them, he's doing a great job. So I don't see a way that this does not go seven, but I fundamentally believe that if you can just clean up your errors that that are occurring in the neutral zone, like you need to come out of your defensive zone cleaner. Your breakouts need to be better because when they are, you score. And if you don't score, you you have uh, far more offensive zone possession time than, than the Islanders do. So if that's the case and the Bruins won this series in seven, but you know, Craig Smith, again, offensively he's exactly what you need but defensively or just in the neutral zone he's proven over the last you know seven games six games because he was injured for one of them he is a neutral zone liability i'm throwing that 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 word around a lot but he is he's a problem but if you fix that problem i think yeah you can win this in seven it's going to be a dog fight though there's no way in in my mind and again i've been wrong before i'm going to be wrong a lot again these teams are so evenly matched in just different areas. So Boston's fat, fast. The Islanders, they're not slow, but they're, they are a, they're kind of like the old school Bruins team, right? Not like a 2011 team, but like a 2013 cup run team, right? They have some speed, but they know how to discipline their, their opponent. And if you don't, if you fall into their trap, you're, you are so screwed. Yeah. So I, I love that comparison. They remind me a lot of like, that when we're deep in that quad dump and chase era, we're like, we're trading Sagan, we're trading superstars so we can fit this dump and chase identity. The Islanders do remind me a lot of that team. I, I, I kind of disagree. I think the Bruins, in, in my opinion, if they, and I do think they will do this four more times in the series, if they play their game, that's what game one was. When the Bruins play their game and play their style of hockey. They're such a better hockey team to me than the Islanders. And they have so much more skill. And I like Varlamov. He was great last game. I don't think the Islanders have enough to keep up with the Bruins. I think the Bruins win this. I honestly think game two is the only game the Islanders get because they dominated us. Listen, they played much better than us. And it took a bad turnover in overtime to beat us. 
So to me, it's just like we we don't even need to play our best hockey, and we're still going to be in yeah, these games. But if I, we do play our best hockey, we're going to beat them. Just remember, and, that. and I don't think there's any doubt in that. Just my, remember, my mind in that. The Bruins are thirty three, sixteen, and seven. The Islanders are thirty two, sixteen, and seven. No, sorry, thirty thirty two. So they, they are the most evenly matched. Like this is a very tough. This, this is a tough matchup just for like the parallels that they pose for each other, right? And what I'm gonna what I'm gonna tell you right now. So bookmark it. I don't know what the timestamp is on this, but bookmark. But but bookmark this. If the Islanders somehow beat the Bruins, just remember. Remember the fact that, uh, that Matthew Barzell, the 23 year old center for the Islanders. Put up 45 points this year, 17 goals, 28 assists. He was picked number 16 in a draft that you had number 13, 14, and 15. You missed on him three times. So if what a storyline! What a storyline! So, so I'm telling you right now, I don't, even, I don't even care it, it, like how they lose. I'm going to tell you, uh, he's you, ha- you had him three times and you chose to let him go. You had the replacement for any second liner. You had the guy that Patrice Bergeron could have mentored up as a Grizzly veteran, as a 23 year old. And you chose, I look, just look back at that draft. I think it was a 2015 draft. Look back at it. Don Sweeney's not a good drafter, but it was, you had three picks, 13, 14, 15. And I think Charlie, I think Jake DeBrusque is the only starter. We got Coleman. I think we got Coleman. DeBrusque. DeBrusque is, is, is the only guy that's still there. But just to fill time, though, that's that, that that's that, that's my declaration to you, our audience. So leave it to Mike. Leave it to Mike to find that narrative buried <laughs> deep inside this series. Mike's like, listen, I'm just saying, though, like – this guy's got that revenge factor, and it's going to be the biggest mistake the Bruins ever made. To, to put a bow on it, they did have 13, 14, 15. They took Jacob Zaboro, Jake DeBrusque, and Zach Sinesian, and that Matt Barzell went 16 to the Islanders. So that's rough. That's rough. No, no, that's atrocious. You can't do that. But DeBrusque, but, but at the same time, DeBrusque does come. Listen, DeBrus, he had a terrible regular season, but he's one of the reasons we won that first round. So, like, you, you, you can hate on DeBrusque all you want, but, like. But Mike's right. Maybe the Avalanche don't even the Avalanche. I'm looking at their logo. Maybe the Capitals don't even win that game and the Bruins sweep the series if they have uh, Barzell. But point being, Mike, Mike's not wrong. I don't want to say Mike's right, but Mike's not wrong. So. I, I think this game, this series goes six games. I, I, I think the Islanders sneak one more away, but I, I don't see the Bruins losing this series. I think they are the better team, as Bobby has said, and I think they can fix their mistakes. Now, if we go with the uh, odds favorites and everything else and the leaders of most of these series currently going on, there's eight teams remaining from the Four divisions. You have the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens from the North Division. <laughs> the Canadiens, man. Like, sorry, I, I, I don't mean to cut you off. I don't want. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. But the Toronto Maple Leafs are the biggest choke artists in the history of the NHL. I mean, they lost that series. Like Montreal's not a world. They're not. A, they're not a world leader, right? They're not the greatest team out there. 
and, and, and Toronto just choked it up. So, like, good. You know what? Good for Toronto. Good for that. Toronto hasn't made it out of the first round of the playoffs in thirteen years. So, I mean, that's just the the way it goes. I, there was some other stat about the last eight series. They haven't won a championship since there were only six teams. Uh, well, right. Which different conversation that'll be for our nhl banning show but if things go so right now you have from the north division you have the canadians and who did i say the jets you have winnipeg and montreal in the central division you have tampa and carolina in the west division you have carol colorado and vegas and in the east obviously boston and new york if the i i don't necessarily want to say the favorites but the north division doesn't matter so let's say the teams that are leading their series get through Tampa, Colorado, Boston, regardless of what happens in the North, when they reseed, based on what I just looked at, we would get Tampa. And I think that's where the buck stops. Yeah, but I just think, like, I I just want to pump the brakes here. Like, the buck could stop here. No, I understand that. I understand that. But I'm saying, in a perfect world where we all just, where we all just predicted that the Bruins are going to get out of this series. If they go to play Tampa, that's the worst team they could. That's the worst of the other six remaining teams that they could play. Before before we go to that, right? So I want you guys to picture an alternate reality where that Taylor <laughs> Hall goes in in that overtime, right? We're up 2-0 right now. There's no chance that you guys are saying that we're going to lose to the Lightning. Listen, it was yes. only a couple of days ago that we were talking that this – that I don't know if it's just me. I think you guys agree with me that this team is different, that this team, it, it, it seems to have that fight. And we saw that in that last game, they played like crap and still had five opportunities to win that game in overtime. Tuka Rask is playing out of his mind. I just think in my opinion, this Bruins team is destined for something different. I'm not going to say what I always like to say, but I oh, just, God. I just think, I know. I just think that the way you watch this team play, it just feels different. It literally feels like, I, I don't know. It doesn't. Two years ago, I did not have this confident of a feeling, and we ended up in the cup, and we ended up losing. But I'm just saying, like the the confidence and the feeling I have behind this team, even being down three one. Listen, I was watching this game, and I'm like, we're coming back in this game. I knew we were coming back. I was like, perfection line's going to get one. Only a matter of time. And then it, it, it was. This team is different. They're just different. And I just think if we win that game last game, there's no way you guys think the Bruins are going to lose. Or even this series. Looking forward, I get it. So, like, Bobby, remember, like, how excited you were, like, how gassed up you were that the perfection line has uh, 23 points through seven games? Like, that's good, right? It's awesome. Nikita Kucherov has 12 points by himself through six games. And he's for Tampa Bay. That Tampa Bay team is, is is nasty. And they were the third team in their division. So what I'm trying to tell you is, is like they will be a problem if we get there to them. Now, I, 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 if he's the right winger, sorry, eight games played, three goals, nine assists. They have a defenseman on that team that has 10 points and it's all assists. So I'm telling you, you know, Victor Hedman, that's going to, they will be a problem for you. Now, what you used to be able to do is beat them up. Let's just hope that you're fast enough and, and you're, you are a finesse enough team to outscore them. Because, um, again, Craig, this could be your soundbite. I'm going to tell you right now Tuka will not be the reason that you lose that series. 
there's something in his head. It might be swimming. I don't know what it is. He refuses to be the reason why you lose. So it might be your inability to handle the puck in, in the neutral zone. It might be uh, defensive breakdowns in front of your old, in front of your own goaltender, but it won't be because of him. And that's to me the reason why I, I really do think we can get by them. Because listen, Tuca wasn't the reason we won two years ago. He was definitely the reason we lost. He, he was definitely the reason we lost. If you look back, dude. If you look back, his 2019 playoff run was fucking wild. It he was unbelievable until game seven but he was unbelievable that entire run don't get too good to a game seven is basically what he's saying but all i know is i don't want to see the tampa bay lightning win the stanley cup because then new england is never going to hear the end of it with another tampa team is there just a way that we like is there any like bobby likes to operate in alternate universes is there any way that we get a boston montreal stanley cup is that possible if they beat winnipeg and I don't think it matters. I'd have to look at this again. And I don't mean to do this on, on the podcast and be like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen in the next round. Of the Wait, does the whole playoff reseed? They, so when they get down to four teams, they reseed. So they go by points in the regular Everything? season. Yeah. So the way it went there is if and I just closed out of the standings, but basically the Bruins ended with 73 points and the Lightning ended with 75. And it just the way that matched up, it, they would have been the two and the three. So. But the, the po- point is, we, we don't want Tampa to win, and I would really like to see Montreal in the Stanley Cup. But could you imagine? So yes, the I, oh. the, the way it goes is yes because they we I mean they've split the divisions in so many ways. So I mean there is still a way based on the way the teams play that we could play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup. So it it, it all depends on on how they do it. So they're not doing this East West thing because they can't because they have the North and the Central division as well. So one last thing I want to bring up here because I've heard this this come out and I've seen this on Twitter in the game that the Bruins lost to the Capitals and in the game the other night they lost. And in some of the negatives that we've talked about, the neutral zone turnovers, the bad offensive possessions in the defensive zone is that if this is what I've heard, I'm not saying this, that if Zidane Chara were still on this team, those things would not be happening. Sure. That might be true, but none of the offensive greatness from the defensive would have happened either. So, like, you just take what you can get. I, now, personally, I would rather have defensemen that that are that can score that pose a threat. I think that they can figure themselves out in terms of their neutral zone inabilities. And you, listen, if 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 uh, Big Z is here, is there a, is there any possibility that, that you have two Islanders just standing in front of Tuca? No, never. That would never happen. But I still think that the positives outweigh the negatives for for our current crop of talent. And, and not only that, so two things. The, the Bruins brand of hockey right now does not fit Zidane or Charger. Charger. Zidane or Charger in any way whatsoever. He's a slower hockey player now. Like Since 2013, you've seen him slow down five extra gears. Like he He's just not the same speed that he used to be. Plus, what they're really missing. So what people mean when they say that, is Kevin Miller needs to come back and be healthy because because you know you know what else there's no way two Islanders are standing in front of that net if Kevin Miller's on that ice either so yes Dana would be awesome but Kevin Miller is the guy they're missing right now I, I know he's been hurt all season so they've been missing him a lot but when you watch this team with Kevin Miller and then you watch him without 
it's it's a whole different defensive group out there. And having his prowess, it's almost like the Sean Thornton back in the 2011 days. Like, you know he's going to whoop ass when he's out there, and he's not going to take shit from anyone. And I also think that has a big effect on Charlie McAvoy and the way he's played so far in this playoffs because you've never seen him be this physical. But when Kevin Miller is active, it's a whole different guy out there. So to me, he's... If we're gonna oh, if we're gonna go X Factor, he's my guy. That we need Kevin Miller to come back. If we have him, it's it's a whole different ball game against the. Well, I hate to say this about the fourteen year captain of the Boston Bruins, but all I know is that Dano Char is sitting at home or playing golf somewhere, and, and the Bruins are still in the playoffs. So that's what we have to say about the Boston Bruins and where they are right now, tied one one. If you're listening to this on Thursday, June third, with the New York Islanders as Game three is on June 3rd between these two teams. And it's been a fun NHL playoffs, regardless of what series you're watching. It's been a lot of fun to watch. And we're glad that we could bring you guys some Bruins talk here on Missing the Point. And for Mike Marcangelo, the real BK, Bob Kelly, Craig DeLisandro, our EP. My name is Joe Malkin. Thank you for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big home. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour.